0: Isn't God good? Listen, we've been talking about uh shame for a few weeks. And it is such a powerful tool of the enemy to destroy lives. And even if it's not destroying us, it keeps us from being the light in the world that Jesus created us to be. And uh shame affects everybody, right? And so we've been going through it a lot, and uh I want to look at creation. I told you guys we're going to do this. I also told you today was Father's Day. Psych. I was just seeing if y'all were paying attention. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I actually thought it was Father's Day. I got up this morning, I looked all over the house for my gifts. I'm thinking, those no-good-for-nothing sons of mine didn't get me. No, I didn't. Y'all told me last week after church that I had said that over and over. I meant it, but I didn't mean this today. It's Sunday in the future sometime. But I have a gift for fathers today. Um, You're going to like this because... uh, Actually, Pam did the opposite. She took the blame for the way she used to look at giving. When really, I know it was Tracy. I'm like Tracy, you got a good woman. She volunteered for you. But you know, if we're going to find out, if we're going to defeat shame, I mean, I actually uh, I get irritated. That's a nice way of saying it. When I see shame in my life or in someone else's life, it, I'm ready for a fight because I know where shame originated it's not from the Lord. Right? And so if we're going to defeat shame, we have to understand Genesis. If you're going to defeat shame, you've got to go back to your Genesis. You see, Genesis is the creation. It's the first book in the Bible and it talks about creation and how God formed everything and the thing is, Genesis has so much depth in it that I understand why in the if you were a Jewish person in Jesus' day, you memorized Genesis. It was so important to the very foundation of who we are as people. And guys, we need to look at our Genesis. Where did you come from? No, I don't mean what happened in the your mommy and stuff. I mean, where did we really come from? That matters. You know, it's like even we use shame to to motivate people to be good, right? And sometimes parents will use that word. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, Well, listen, don't tell a kid that because he's just acting just like you. Right? Where did he come from? Hello, mom, dad. Guys, we look at our genesis if we want to defeat shame, and I think we have to. And today I want to flip the script okay we're going to do a little bible study a little theological education and i want you to put on your thinking hats okay and and you're going to hopefully learn some things today you know what flipping the script means It's when something looks this way, and the story builds and builds and builds to this way, and then at the very end, the author or the writer just goes, whoo, and we're just like, whoa, where did that come from? And you know, God wants to flip the script in our lives. He wants to flip the script on shame, and we're going to use Scripture And what God teaches us in Genesis to put a nail in the coffin that shame belongs in. So understanding our Genesis is really the beginning of freedom from shame. Well, Alan, I know Genesis. I read it. Uh, Read it again. Read it with the Holy Spirit. Don't give up on it until you see the truth. You know what Genesis teaches you? It teaches you where you came from your genetic makeup, your DNA, at, the, at a deeper level, our spirits. And so I want to look at Genesis and I'm going to look at it tight because I think a lot of us, we feel like we're wimps when really God created us to be warriors. Guys, you are not a wimp. No matter what you feel like, no matter what your history says, He didn't create us to be wimps, He created us to be warriors. And so I want to, uh, we'll start with Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. I want to flip the script on that. Uh, yesterday, had a, had a busy day yesterday. Uh, Camille had a recital dance, and her and about 200 other girls from six months old or whatever, <laughs> of teenagers. And uh, I went to it. But So Camille was real busy, but I, I saw her. And I said, Camille, I need you to do some research for me. You have 30 minutes. That's plenty of time. I want you to go in the first two books of the Bible, and I want you to count something for me. How many times in the first two books of the Bible, in the Genesis 1 and 2 and the beginning of 3, did God separate things? How many times did he say, God separated the light from the darkness. And she looked it up for me and she came back and she said 14 times she could count. Now different Bibles use different words, but approximately 14 times God separated. And last week I I ended on that thought. Listen, being different is not bad. And we're in a world that says different is bad. And wants to tell you that it's it's a bad thing, and you're bad if you're different. Well, and then I said, okay, there's something else, even more controversial, that says in Genesis, and God created them after their own kind. Look it up. Uh, I said, how many times did God use? Did God do that? He created this species after its own kind he created man after his image he created this fish this reptile this animal this bird after their own kind and god did that camille counted it 13 times i'm like there's a whole lot of separation going on around here god what are you doing Almost 30 times, approximately 30 times, Jesus repeated the same thing. This is white, and this is black. It's not the same. And this is a bird. And, you know, how many of you know how many species of hammerhead sharks there is? Would you raise your hand? Uh, Anybody know how many? Katie, you do. You're back there acting like you don't. Her son told me there's seven, and he asked me to name them. And I'm like, I don't even know what a, I've never even seen a hammerhead shark for real. There's seven different kinds of hammerhead shark, and they're all created after their own kind. And there's a purpose in that. And listen, the enemy comes in, right? And I asked her after she looked that up for me, She gave me the numbers, then then I said, okay, Camille, another question, because believe it or not, she's a 15-year-old girl that likes to talk about theology. You know, theology is how do you understand God? I said, Camille, why would God go to the trouble in arguably the most important literature in history to say 30 times that things are different? And not that it was an accident or not that it was an aberration or an accident. It's God created us this way. God created male and female on purpose. I mean, later on, we're going to find out that the women got us in big trouble. But, right? Uh, Right, I mean, y'all just heard me. I don't mean you agree with me. He created us different. We're not the same. Science tries to tell us evolution did this and evolution did that. Science, if they're high level scientists, say they no, they've not found one scrap of evidence there has ever been evolution. It's a mathematical impossibility if you're actually a scientist, and the thing is, there's a, there's a diabolical scheme trying to make us be all melded together into one thing, and, and listen, there's something serious God is about here, and so I told Camille, and, she, and actually, we were walking up to the Cabot High School Auditorium for her program, and she's wearing her little dance stuff and all that stuff, and, and she said, oh, Pops, uh... I think I know why God did it. I'm like, well, tell me. And she did. I said, you're right. It's really so we could know Him better. So we could have a relationship with Him. So, it's interesting. See, I want to understand God. I want to understand what He says. Here's what the devil says. Let me read you guys some just statements that I've I've thought of as I prayed about this. I said, God, why did you do that? Well, the devil defines diversity as division. Difference as division. God defines diversity. It's divine. I want you to think about that. Every unique thing about you is an opportunity for divinity to heaven to invade earth through you. In a billion different ways. You see, diversity is actually divinity. It's not division. The devil turns discernment. You know discernment? The devil turns discernment into justification for disconnection. Well, I can see we're different, so I hate you. I can tell we have different music t- taste, so obviously you're inferior to me because I listen to classical music. You know, Bach and Brahms and those people. I ate ice cream at that place, right? Actually, I don't know anything about classical music, but I don't use it to divide. I don't use it. It's not discrimination, and it doesn't create division. The devil uh, uses discernment. After you have disconnection, then you have destruction. If you don't think like me, it's the American culture today. If you're on different political sides, you hate each other. What? A lot of the church, that's what the church does. If you don't think like I think, if you don't believe like I believe, if you don't use the Scripture I believe, it, it, then I hate you. And what's even worse, a lot, a lot of our society today, we suffer that deal. People hate you because you don't agree with them and they think you hate them because you don't agree with them that's from the devil the devil created that god gave us the amazing ability the uniqueness in you no one else on earth thinks like you no one else on earth is you and that gives god an opportunity to impact this world in ways that no one else can you see, it's a big deal to be able to tell the difference—very slight differences. It's where, where we would say excellence comes from. That. I asked uh, David, uh, the drummer, and he was a little bit off this morning. I was trying to get him on, but he did pretty good. But I'm not a musician, so I asked him last uh, a couple weeks ago. I said, David, because he plays studio stuff in Nashville, you know, for records and you know making cassette tapes and things like that, and. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what they call it now, but he does that stuff. I said, "Now, David, I'm not a musician. Musician, I can barely speak English, but I know there's a difference between a great drummer and a good drummer. You know, and if you're in that field, you know there's a big difference." I said, "David, what's that? Is there a musical term for that?" I know it can't be like, you stink and I smell good. It's not like, it's got to have a technical term. He said, oh yeah, there there is. He said, "Uh, it's millisecond. I'm like, millisecond? I'm just good to get within a quarter of a second and be on. And the great drummers have such discernment with their timing ability that they, they divide a second into a million sections and you have to hit that at that perfect within a millisecond. Guys, do you know that there's things inside of you that no one else in the earth, earth has that you're gifted in just like that? For you, the millisecond may be the way you smile. It may be the way you work. It may be the way you hold your kids. It may be the way you relate to people. You see, everybody has different gifting. And, and I don't know, in this room, we might have two people that, because I've still got two drummers, so Josh and David, maybe they even have any understanding of what that looks like. But, you know, I can't give God that because I don't have that in me. But you know what I can give God? Um, stubbornness. Uh, fight, uh, a willingness to never give up. I can give those things to God. And I sing really loud sometimes. I can give that to God. Guys, you are unique. And what the devil has created a disconnection with and destruction with and darkness with, God created to bring light to the world. Our differences... Are an invitation for divinity, not a condemnation of your humanity. That's from the devil. Who you are is an open door for heaven to come to earth. You see, I I wrote this down. I said, What if each unique way we are each made, the very things in you that are unique, good, bad, ugly, hard, easy, it doesn't matter. What if every single one of those are made perfectly in God's plan to bring His kingdom into every facet of the world? And I know it is. Because God said, listen, my kingdom is like leaven. It's like leaven. This little tiny, tiny millionth piece of stuff that I put into the dough of the world And it's going to spread and cover the whole earth. You've got a place to spread out in the earth that only you can cover. Yeah, but look at me. I know you're ugly as sin, but I'm telling you, you're important. Okay? Understanding where we come from is the beginning of freedom from shame. It's the beginning of it. Each of us are one-of-a-kind leaven that God, it's His plan. Differences, discernment, it all comes from God. And i tell you, when it covers the earth, you know, whenever the, His kingdoms will cover the earth, is when each one of us come to the place where we say, you know what? I'm willing to give my flesh, who I am, the weaknesses, the strengths, the brokenness, the hurt, the history, my thoughts, everything I am, I'm willing to give that as a living sacrifice to the king. And when you do that, his power comes into your world, and we need that. God said, I mean, you want me to to predict what happens at the end of times? Jesus said, my kingdom never stops, and it's like leaven. It's going to spread through the whole earth until the whole world is infected by me and my kingdom. That's what Jesus said. And you and I are are the spreaders of that leaven. So all we have to do is give who we are to God. But guess what you can't do? Every place where you don't think you're acceptable, you won't give to Him. Right? I'd, I'd ask, I don't know who other, just every day I'll make fun of somebody all the time about singing. And it's like somebody just today, I don't remember who it was, somebody said, well, yeah, they're not going to ask me to get up on stage and sing. You should hear my voice. Listen, your voice is leaven. Maybe your voice would set the captives free today in Cabot, Arkansas. Who are you to say? You're not. I'm not. I don't get to say this is not good enough to put on the altar. And it's a living sacrifice. It's not you die to yourself. Okay, I have this is really funny. This is highly spiritual, so um, you guys pay close attention. I hope everybody can enjoy this and get it. I've got a problem. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. See a shrink? It's a little bit more complicated than that. Bruce, trust me when I tell you, I've heard them all. Not this one. We've never seen anything even close to your levels of exposure. That you survived an event like that, it's beyond my comprehension. I don't want to control it. I want to get rid of it. I'm concerned that man's whole body is property of the U.S. Army. They want it as a weapon. If we let it go, we will never get it back. What the hell was that? There's only one thing that can fight that. It's in me. Maybe if I can control it. I can use it. And stir you up you've never seen the movie meow meow no you're the hulk i'm the hulk when i give who i am and put me on the altar to the lord he something inside of me brings hope to the world and it all comes from love you know i'm not an expert on movies but he was willing to be the hulk because that girl kissed him. <laughs> so, I mean, because of love, right? Love. What do you mean? You, you want to see my angry side? No. <laughs> no. Because that's not who you really are. That is not who you are. Well, I'm Irish. Yeah, I know. I know. Jesus has set all captives free. He is, he's, he's torn down every barrier that puts us Guys, it's not who you are. It may be how you're acting. But you know what? What the devil does is he takes those things and he says, you're bad, not that you did something bad. Who you are is a perfect breeding ground for the life of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus died so that he could come and live inside of us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in you. But it happens when you let go. I don't know who wrote that movie, but that was a great, great deal. And you know what? You need to understand. I want to give you a little, uh, very small lesson on how to read the Bible. Is that okay? Because I don't think we can go to Genesis. We all have preconceived ideas of what it says, but I think we need to look at it in proper theological understanding. How about that? Because there is. If you're a theologian, there's... Let me make sure I'm there. Am, I'm there. First Corinthians 2.11. Uh, you probably know this passage. Uh, Paul says this, who knows, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Son of God, the Spirit of God. Not the Son of God, the Spirit of God. And then he goes on to say in verse 13, This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You cannot, man, humanity in our best, cannot understand the deep things of God without the Holy Spirit giving us revelation. It's not about your logic, your reason. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. And when you read Scripture, the Scripture is absolutely true, absolutely driven, lit, led by the Spirit, the people who wrote it. But I'm telling you, you can't understand it without the Spirit. And so the beginning, your first, and then, uh, I love this one. Here's another one. When you're reading Scripture, you can't. Everything in Scripture points to Jesus. Old and New Testament. He is the Word that's revealed in the Word. You know, in John chapter 5, verse 39, it says, You study the Scriptures, Jesus said this, You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. If you're reading the Bible and it doesn't point to Jesus, you're not understanding the depths of what God's saying. Well, I can't see Jesus in some of the stories in the Old Testament. Go deeper. Yeah, but I'm I'm smart. I understand everything. (laughs) <laughs> you can't understand the scripture without the spirit it doesn't matter how smart you are and so jesus that's another another rule of biblical interpretation everything points to jesus right theology is a the study of god you can't lever, you can never leave that behind right you can't leave behind jesus when you're reading anything that's why really I recommend it and I do it. I read the Gospels several times a year along with other Scripture. But I'm always in the Gospels because Jesus is. And I'll, and I'll show you that Scripture. It says that. Um, uh, let's go to the next verse. I can stay on this all day because I really do like it. Um, Hebrews 1.3. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. Jesus sustains all things by His powerful Word. After He brought a purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Guys, Jesus is the exact representation of God. And then you and I have grown up in a world where most of us came, have the understanding without revelation from the Holy Spirit that Jesus and God are bipolar. Like Jesus is this side of God and God's that side of God. And they those two aren't the same. You know what bipolar? They, some diagnosis where if you're a screaming, raging lunatic one day and then same day you become the nicest person to ever live, they call you bipolar. A lot of us see God that way. But the Scriptures say that Jesus is the exact representation of God. So if I'm studying theology, if I'm trying to understand God and I don't see Jesus and what I'm thinking, I must be wrong. He's not wrong. So go deeper. Just go deeper. Uh, but I love that verse. And then Matthew 27 uh, 41 through 46 at the end of Jesus' life, before they crucified Him, do you know why they finally crucified Him? And He asked them, He said, is it because of the miracles I've done? Why are y'all mad? And the Pharisees said, when He's on the cross, He's the King of Israel. Let Him come down from the cross Himself. We'll believe in Him then. He trusts God. Let God rescue Him if He wants Him. For He said, I am the Son of God. Jesus is the son of God and when you see him when you see the son you see the father you go into John uh, 12 13 14 15 16 17 and you see Jesus over and over again saying he and the father are one and then uh, I bring this up for a purpose I hope it's not a rabbit trail but I I think you need to be aware of it then on verse 45 Darkest day in history is what that guy in that song says. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And most of us have an understanding of that, that I did for probably 35 years of my Christian life. I thought God left him alone on the cross, turned his back on him because of an understanding of Genesis that I was taught. And uh, then one day, I was like, oh, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense with the other Scripture. Here's another rule about Scripture interpretation. Let the Bible interpret the Bible and not your mind or somebody else's words. Number one interpreter of Scripture is Scripture. Number one. and it, it, It's not about being smart or, or educated or having... Uh, I can't think of it. You know that new computer thing? You can ask questions, a computer answer. Yeah, AI. It's not about AI. <laughs> it's about the Holy Spirit. Now listen, Psalm 2231. I printed it out because I, I didn't want to read the whole thing to you. What Jesus did on the cross was, uh, I would say it this way. He looked at those Pharisees and the Sadducees and the government and the Roman government and all those people in power that thought that they had destroyed Him. I think at the last thing He said, He looked them in the eye and He said, Guys, go read Psalm 22. Now they all had it memorized. If you were a good Jew, you had this psalm memorized because this is a Messianic song, psalm, psalm that describes Jesus' death and resurrection psalm 22 first verse guess what it is my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish my god i cry out by day but you do not answer by night but i find no rest is that you it's been all of us some point you know that that mountain you keep going around that thing you beg and pray and fight in your life to get free from and you can't get free from. You know, we sing songs about it. And you pray, God, why aren't you coming? Why aren't you coming? Or how about I told you last week, I, I told you some stories, and I know a hundred more of people that were alone in their bondage. They were alone in their troubles. They were alone when they were being abused. They were alone when they got left. God, where were you? Jesus, you weren't there. But now you know what happens? You know what the end of this psalm says? Because this psalm will break your heart. You guys know this psalm even though you don't know. You don't know, you know it. He says in verse 11, it's a messianic psalm. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no help. The many bulls surround me. The strong bulls of bastion encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. Jesus on the cross. Hanging there with His bodily fluids draining from His body. His joints being torn apart. My heart Has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot shred. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And you lay me in the dust of the earth. That was our Savior. That was the king of the king. About to punch the devil right in the nose. That's what that was. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. When they ripped him with those those whips, it literally tore the skin open where you could see his bones all over his body. They divide my clothes among them. Huh, it really is the crucifixion. They cast lots for my garment. But you... Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dogs. Jesus wasn't begging for relief. He was making a proclamation of faith. I am going to raise from the dead. My God is here with me. Listen to what he says. Verse 22. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor Him. Revere Him, all you descendants of Israel. For He has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden His face from Him. But He's listened to His cry for help. You see, that psalm wasn't a whining uh, complaint of what His of his predicament it was a declaration of the truth of what was happening at that moment and somehow we read it and we've been taught differently you know the last verse of that psalm they will proclaim his righteousness declaring to a people yet unborn that's us he has done it he did it he didn't lose he won you see, that's who we are. That's who you are, and that's who I am. And somehow we, we were deceived and led astray from that. He wasn't alone. Ever. He was never alone. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. You want to know who you are? Are you ready to believe what the Scripture says? Here's another rule of theology that's very important. Don't make assumptions about what God believes or reveals about Himself by what's not said. Uh, Does that make sense? It makes sense in my head. God doesn't say. We call it the fall. The Bible doesn't call it the fall. Yeah, but it's got a heading that says the fall. We added those headings. That's not written in Hebrew. That wasn't the fall of mankind, because when you read, when you say it's the fall, you imply something that is not written in Scripture. You can't find that term anywhere in the Bible. It doesn't exist. You know who God, you know who you are? You were created in God's image. I don't want to hear any buts, and I don't want to see any buts. I don't mean y'all are going to moon me. I just don't want to see anybody acting out, right? Well, I believe this. It's okay if you believe differently. I'm just telling you how to get free from shame. Believe what the Bible says. And the Bible doesn't say what we were we think it said. It's like, you know, those three wise men. Would anybody here be willing to die on the fact that there actually were three wise men in the Bible? I failed that test three times before I figured it out. It doesn't say that in Scripture. That was a tradition that we've all heard so many times it became true for us. I'm like, because Harvey would have a Christmas party, and every year he'd ask that same question, and I failed it. I, they laughed at me the third time. I'm like, okay, I'm looking this up. It doesn't say three anywhere. You were created in His image. Male and female He created you. And he gave you a job. He said he blessed you. He blessed you and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. You see, we're separate from any animal. Everything on earth under creation, everything and every animal and every fish and every bird. I even think the atmosphere, God has given us a job and we are created to bring life and subdue it and bring it into order. Everything. That's, that's who we are. That's who you are. You really are a hero. You're not a wimp. When you open up and you give yourself to God and you love and you, you let go, you're the same thing that happens to the Incredible Hulk. He is the greatest Marvel superhero, by the way. I love the Hulk because I want to smash that devil right in the face. And guess what? I was created for that. And we were all created differently for it. Maybe the way you smash him in the face is by loving and being patient and kind and gentle and singing and, and, you know, changing poopy diapers. You talk about a hero, there's a hero for you. I, I saw the Hulk one time try to change a diaper. He gagged like a little fish. So It looked like Tracy Dolan tra- uh, cleaning a deer. Um, It is true, I know, Tracy, I've I've watched him. That big man is like, (laughs) Tim Tim cuts a piece off and hangs, waves in his face, and Tracy's over there dry heaving. I'm like, Tim, stop it. Poor guy, he can't, you know, I'm so glad that Pam cleans all your fish for you. Rule over them. Then God said, I give you, guess who owns every seed-bearing plant and every tree? We do. Guess who's called to bring dominion to the world? We are. We are the Incredible Hulk. And that's who God's, That's who you really are. Yeah, but don't tell me that. Your name's not... You're not the author. God's the author of the Bible that I live by. And I give you that, and I give you that. They'll be yours for food, and all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the sky, and all the creatures. And God saw all that He had made... And it was very good. And guess what's included in all? (laughs) Us. Yeah. Yeah. In all of our diversity. In all of our woundedness. In all of our history. Our deaf ears. Our good ears. Our bad teeth and our good teeth. Our beautiful prose that we can weave together. And our whatever. He is the originator of it all. And he stood back and he looked at you and he said, that isn't just good. That's very good. He created the diversity. He created the separation of our world. We're the ones that make it into something we should be ashamed of. God created your weaknesses and mine. He created it all. Now, this is a really important part. um, Really important part. We horribly, horribly misinterpret this for our detriment. You know, verse 25, I read that last week. You know, God made a woman, a woman got us in trouble. I mean, it doesn't say that here. But, you know, you know what happened. God made made Adam, and Adam was the epitome of perfection. And then God took out a rib and all of a sudden Adam's messed up and he needs a woman. And so God creates a rib out of his rib, a woman out of Rev's rib and it's perfect together, right? It's a perfect expression of God together. And uh, it says Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And that's what I want you to pay attention to. Was there ever a time in history when no one felt shame? No one was embarrassed? No one condemned themselves? No one felt guilty? Yeah. Well, yeah, but the devil was on earth already. Who put the devil here? Read it. God did. Who created two trees? God did. This was all his plan. And His plan has one thing. It's designed to bring us into uh, one with Him. And so Adam and Eve were both naked, but they felt no shame. And there's none of us today, I don't think, we're not there yet, where I can expose my stuff, you know, the embarrassing stuff, the stuff I'm sorry about, the stuff I've intentionally forgotten. The stuff I didn't do, the stuff I did do, that's where does shame come from? And that's a that's a big question. Where did shame start? Because there was a time when there was no shame. Well, you go down to that next chapter, and it begins right here. There's a there was a serpent. Interesting. You should think deeply about it. You and I would be snowplow parents if we could, right? That's a new term I learned by one of the young people. Um, a snowplow parent, by definition, is a parent who takes all obstacles out of the way of their children so they don't ever have to, 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 you know, they don't have to push through. They don't have to work hard. They don't have to, they don't have any stress. A snowplow parent, like, removes every, all the snow out of the way so they can just walk through life with no hassles, no, you know, never get teased, never, never have a insecurity, never have a weakness, you see, and if I was God, why would he put the devil here? Cuz he we Adam and Eve, the devil lied to them and they believed him. And all of this happened. You see, you've got to ask those questions. There's a reason. God did nothing. He wasn't surprised by anything. Everything he did was on purpose, just like him making me and you. Absolutely on purpose. And then the serpent was more crafty and he said, uh, he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will... God didn't say don't touch it. You see what happens when we keep running our mouths beyond what we should say? <laughs> That's what happens. It happens to me all the time. I should have shut up right here, and I added, don't touch it. And God didn't say that. And the Hebrew, when it says, you will die, the actual Hebrew says, in dying, you will die. And God was giving us a beginning of showing us what happens when we're disconnected from Him or when we're independent from Him. We don't live well. You don't live well without Jesus. You begin to die. And it's so you can come back to Jesus. He wants you to, your eyes to be open, my eyes to be open so I can see, oh, that's dark, and this is light. I think I'll go to the light. But to do that, you, might, you have to be able to see the difference. You see, the creation, everything God did was so that we could know the difference and come to him. And it brought us all to that place. So you know what happened? Eve uh, saw that the fruit was good. She believed the lies. She believed them. And uh, it was good, I'm sure. Everything tasted good. It was pleasing. It was desirable for gaining wisdom. And she took some and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her. He heard the whole thing and he ate it too. And then... The eyes of both of them were opened. And we read they realized they were naked and think it's a good thing. Like, that's, that's okay. No, because what they did was they started judging themselves. They took the difference that they saw and judged it by. It. So instead, the discernment didn't, it didn't create life. It created death. And God said, don't eat that. Because the moment you start living that way, it's going to put you in bondage. And what did they do? They did what we do. Covered up, covered up, tried to cover up, hide. You know, uh, then God asked them these questions, and he, he you know, he knows. And uh, he asked Adam, he said, where, where are you? And Adam answered, I heard you and I was afraid because I was naked. Uh, It's time to come out of hiding. You and I need to come out. God doesn't want us to hide anymore. He wants us to not be ashamed. He wants to set us free. I believe that God wants to expose the enemy today. Because here's the big question. Who told you you were naked? You see, in the Bible, there's two words for judge. Crino and anacrino. And they're totally different words. One word, we would use it as... Like in English, there's just one word for judge. And that's what you do and I do. When we say judge... It can mean discernment. And like with that drummer, a great drummer can hear beats down to the millisecond. That's amazing discernment. Or a musician can hear notes so perfectly. Or a businessman can see a business plan unfold and see a thousand details to make it happen perfectly. You see, that's... That is unbelievable gifting in our world. Uh, Someone who can cook without a recipe. And then I had recipes and I didn't know the humidity and the temperature affected things too. It's like, well, how can you win? You can't. Because it's too complicated. No, master chefs can see the very minute factors that will determine the outcome of their bread. You see, we're each like that. But then there's another word for judgment that's a good judgment. Man, he has great judgment. He makes good decisions. That's good judgment. There's another word for judgment that we judge. And it, it um, how do you say that? It judges value, worth. It judges and condemns and punishes. That's a totally different word for judgment. I mean, that's a whole big study. It's a fun study in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Judgment, we have one word in English for both kinds of judgment. In Greek, there's two. And they use them very specifically in Scripture. Perfectly. It's amazing. Jesus did that so well. Um, That was sarcasm. Of course he did it well. Sarcasm means you get to smile. I hope you feel really... uh, God's showing you already? Who told you you were bad? Who told you you weren't good enough? Who told you you weren't special? Who told you you weren't valuable? Who told you you were bad? Who told you you were dirty? Who told you that? Who told you it's too late? Who told you you don't matter? You see, that's the question. God wasn't condemning them. He wanted to get to the root of the thing. And you know what? It's, when you, we'll read the rest of it next week. We're going to go at this again. But today I think this is the big question. God wants to set you and me free from shame. Then you need to answer this question. The Holy Spirit has to answer it for us, really. What am I ashamed of? What, why am I not stepping out? Why don't I give myself? Why, don't I, why am I not happy? Why am I depressed? Why am I full of fear? They was, Adam answered, he said, God, I was afraid. Why were you afraid? Because shame had told him he should be afraid. And he was expecting horrible things. And actually, you know what God did? God protected him, right? Protected him from eating the tree of life which would have destroyed him. Guys, God wants to answer that question for you this morning. Who told you that you were naked? And I believe that God wants to set you free from that voice. And I, and I heard in my spirit, I heard there's two places, two sources of that voice. One source, it would be the devil, but it comes from two places. It comes from external, right? Stuff you see, stuff you hear, stuff you're told, experiences. And it comes from internal, what I think. And we're all in bondage to one or the other or both. And God wants to show you that's the devil. That's not his voice. Jesus is the most kind, gentle, loving person I've ever met. And if you think anything about God that you can't see in Jesus Christ, you don't have it yet. Because Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He told told the disciples, if you've seen me, why are you asking me, me to show you the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen him. I think we have a lot of understanding of God that he's not. Because it's not in Jesus. And don't make your theology out of what you don't see in Scripture. Well, I don't see Jesus ever being yeah, it's because he's not. So let's all stand up i uh I'm excited about this journey we're on I was uh, I had so many scriptures this morning I almost got giddy, and uh I love theology, I love it, and uh I'm going to drag you guys down that path with me hopefully I won't uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it the end is good Jesus is love you know how come I know he's love <laughs> the bible says it hello <laughs> you might try reading it it's really good it's like, it's like it'll, it flips the script it has great narrative it's protagonists heroes villains it's great but it always ends up at one spot he loves you he loves you Every part of you. He loves you. This morning, I think He wants to love us. He wants to love you. So, uh, we're going to have some ministry teams up front. And it would be a good time to uh, get a word from the Lord. Maybe you see this in your life, but you don't know where. You don't know who told you that. Uh, Most of us heard it a thousand times. Jesus will pinpoint who told you that. And that will set you free. Okay, so let's pray. And uh, we'll be dismissed. Uh, Remember Vacation Bible School. Invite your friends, your family. Uh, If we get in a bind and need more help, we'll be calling you. Uh, It's going to be fun. Kids are going to learn who they really are. And that they don't need to be ashamed. Their genesis was revealed in Genesis. Their origin, their blueprint, their picture of who they are. So, Father, I just asked this morning that uh, you would expose the enemy in our lives. That that same question you asked Adam wouldn't be a condemnation. It would be the invitation to freedom. So, God, I pray for, for us, all of us, that we would be free from every smidgen of shame in our lives. That there would be nothing about us, in us, that we've done, our history, our thoughts, nothing that we wouldn't be willing to give to You. So God, I just ask You, would, uh, this morning, we're ready to take our next step with You, God. So just let the Lord speak to you for just a second. So Jesus, would You come and Just speak to each one of our hearts right now. What do you want us to know right now, Lord? I believe the Lord is saying when Jesus saw the cross coming, He didn't see death. He saw life. It wasn't darkness. He saw a fire that was lit that could never be put out. I believe God wants to do that for some, some of us this morning. Change our perspective, how we see. So God, I just thank you that you're bigger than any darkness, that nothing surprises you. And I thank you for how many unique people are right now listening And in this room, God, we just want to be a people that gives you our flesh as a living sacrifice. Every day, all day. We just thank you, King. Amen. God bless you and uh, welcome. Come on and pray if you want to. If not, I hope I see a lot of you on Friday night. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun.